0: Wow, Tim, that was really good. (laughs) Nice job, everybody. All right, so here's what we're doing tonight. We're going to continue on to this idea of a good start to the school year. Last week, we talked about he must increase, we must decrease. We talked about how you're supposed to know the person, know your place in God's plan, and then know your purpose, which is simply to glorify God in all that you do. And if you don't, we adjust course, okay? Tonight, we're going to be looking at the second week I want to do here, and tonight we're going to be looking at something, a good start week two, is it a little, what did I write it there, little is much when God is in it. We're going to look at the feeding of the 5,000 tonight. This story, the feeding of the 5,000, so you guys know, is the only story outside of the resurrection story that is in all four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record this event So this is kind of a big deal in biblical history, I guess is what I would say. This tonight is a true story. So you guys know we're not looking at a parable. We're not looking at something that's not true. We're not looking at a fable. We are looking at a true story that actually happened in the history of mankind, the feeding of the 5,000, okay? But before I get into that, what I want to do tonight is I want to have you guys make sure each one of you have got a bulletin. Because you're going to need your bulletin tonight. Some of you, I'm going to say this out loud so people, sometimes students listen to these messages on podcast, the poor souls, I can't believe they tortured themselves like that. But tonight, if you're listening to this on podcast and you turn it on, here's what we're going to do. I got one question to ask you guys at the beginning. I want you to turn to your small group tables and answer this very critically, you ready? Very critically important question. It's almost like going to be a life-changing question. Are you ready? Tristan, you know better, don't you? What's your favorite meal? And then, wait, what's your favorite meal? And then I want you guys to read through the scripture that is on the opposite side of your bulletin. So you're gonna cover the scripture at your table. So if you're listening to this on podcast, I want you to read John chapter six, verses one through 14. We'll pause the podcast. You guys do this at your tables and we'll join back in in just a moment. Is everybody done? Okay, if I can have your attention back to the front of the room, I would appreciate that a bunch. This story has got a bunch of stuff packed into it. I could go to all sorts of different directions on what to do with this message tonight. But God laid something on my heart Monday night when I was at home reading just in my quiet time. And I really believe there's somebody in this room or listening to this that really needs to get their arms around what I'm going to teach out of this tonight. So this, I hope, makes sense to you guys. Because what I want to do is I want to look at three steps to solving problems. That might sound odd coming out of what you guys just read, but I want to look at three steps to solving problems, okay? The very first thing we have when it comes to solving problems, number one point, the problem. If you look at your bulletin, the first problem was this in this story. The people were following Jesus for the wrong reason. Because it says in verse 2, it says, the great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. So they were following him for the wrong reasons, basically, is what they were doing. I want you guys to let that sink into you a little bit tonight as I talk, because that's going to be one of the questions I'm going to have you guys discuss in your small groups is, why are you following Jesus? Or, let me ask you this, why aren't you following Jesus? Because I think there's some people in the room that might not be walking with the Lord like they probably need to right now. So you either are or you are not, but I would ask you why. Later in John, the book of John John chapter 6 and verse 26, Jesus talks about him being the bread of life. He even goes on to say this to the crowd in verse 26 of chapter 6 of John. He goes on to say, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me. Because they were out looking for him again. The crowd was looking for him again. Not because you saw the signs I performed. So they weren't even following him anymore for the signs that he performed. They moved on to, he says, You follow me because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So they were following him for the completely wrong reason. That's the first thing that jumped out to me when I was reading the scripture and kind of breaking this message down this week is why were they going after him? I mean, you you guys, 5,000 men. There were families there. There could have been anywhere from ten to 15,000 people. Now think about the disciples because the second problem we see here is the disciples saw there was a huge issue here. There was a problem, and the problem was there was probably close to 15,000 people sitting in this crowd, and Jesus had been teaching all day long. How many of you, your butts get tired after 20 or 25 minutes in youth group with me yakking or in church on a Sunday morning when the pastor might cover 45 minutes, and you're like... <gasps> Really, are you ever going to be done? Imagine Jesus on a hillside teaching all day long and 15,000 people in the crowd and the disciples are probably getting, their ears are getting tired. (laughs) Their ears are getting tired from listening to Jesus talk so much. And the disciples are like, in the story, Jesus said, what are we going to feed them? Jesus said, you feed them. And they freaked out a little bit. See, the problem they saw before them was very real. The people were hungry and tired. And the disciples, they knew it was too big for them to handle on their own. Did you hear that? They knew it was too big for them to handle on their own. And you know what? They were right. It was too big. So they came up with two solutions. Really one, kind of one tied into into one. Think about your problems. I want you to pause here. This is why I want to get this across tonight. Everybody's got problems, right? Everybody in this room has a problem that they're dealing with probably right now. If not, you just got through one or one's coming. Don't we always go when we have a problem, just want to make it go away? Because the disciples said to to Jesus, they said, make these people leave and go to a different town so they can find some food. Get them out of here. So think about this. What do we want to do when we have a problem? We want to make it go away. That's exactly what the disciples are dealing with here. And the other part of this equation is they didn't have enough money to buy them all food and there was probably no mini-marts around where they could run down and get a hot pizza at lunch. So the disciples looked at this, and they were absolutely overwhelmed at the problems that they saw before them, and they were right. When problems arise in your life, you got to remember this. God's always got a solution to the problem. Think about this. He told Philip, what are we going to do? You you give him something to eat. Philip's like, we don't have enough money, Lord. But see, the Bible says here that we read tonight that Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He said this to test him. You ever feel like you're being tested? God will never test you to sin. He will test you to see how strong your faith is though. Now think about this for a second. These guys were in the midst of this problem. They saw this problem arise. They didn't realize that God already had a solution. So here's what I would tell you guys. When you have a problem, I want you guys to do this for me. There's a pattern. There's a principle here that when we have a problem, we can't just look at our problem and miss the Lord. We can't fact, we can't leave out Jesus. See, they didn't factor in Jesus into the problem is what they didn't do. He was sitting with them on the hillside. It says in the scripture, Jesus was sitting with his disciples on the hillside and had been teaching all day. I know when we get into trouble, what every one of us in this room can have this testimony. When we get into trouble, the first thing we want to do is figure out how to get out of it. We don't stop. We don't pause. We don't pray. See, if we really believe, I don't know what to do, but I know the one who does know what to do, we should ask him, shouldn't we? We need to pause. We need to not be like the disciples and leave Jesus out of the equation because think about this. At this point in the scripture, they had already seen Jesus, they already saw Jesus turn water into wine. Now think about this. Think about what Jesus has done for you. Remember what God has done for you to help you through some of the problems that you've had in the past. See, because we look at the disciples like, how could they do this? We're no different. But here's what, here's what I know, they, Jesus, they already saw Jesus turn water into wine, heal lepers, cast out legions of demons, calm violent storms of the word, heal people with incurable diseases and raise the dead. And it still did not prove to them who they were sitting with. They missed who they were with, they were so focused on the problem. Remember we talked about last week, if we're going to let him increase and we're going to decrease, we have to have an eternal perspective in the temporal In the horizontal issues that we stare at every day, we've got to keep an eternal perspective and remember who's with us. But here's my question for you guys. What would he have to do for you that you would remember who he is in the midst of a problem that you're going through? Because the disciples already seen him do all this stuff. You need to remember who's with you, not be so focused on the problem. And that takes me to my second point. The Lord's presence. They were so focused on the problem that they missed the problem solver. Ever been there? I have. (laughs) Every time I'm going through something, I'll confess, am I the only one in the room that does this? Every time I go through a problem, I'm, I'm doing my best to try to figure out how to wiggle out of it or figure out how to fix it. And then eventually, after I've absolutely worn myself out, like the disciples when they were in the water and they were being swamped and they were bailing water out of the boat and they were about ready to drown, then they finally went to Jesus. And that's exactly, my own confession, 99% of the time, that's exactly what I'll do. As I will feel like I'm going to drown, I'm trying to get the water out of the boat, I'm bailing as fast as I can, and when I feel like I'm about ready to drown, what do I do? Then I go look for the problem solver. The disciples forgot who was with them. Do you know who was with them? The Son of God was with them. Sent from heaven to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. We got to remember that. In in Hebrews 13:5, I got these couple of scriptures written down for you guys to prove that it's true. In Hebrews 13:5 it says keep your keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Time out. Keep your lives free from the love of money. I want every one of you in here to be hog nasty rich if that's what God wants for you. Do you know that? I want you to be so rich when you walk around money falls out of your pockets and follows you around if that's what God's will is for you. Money's not evil. The love of money is evil. Jesus says, You can't serve two masters. You cannot serve money and me both because we will pick the wallet every single time. So it's not money that's evil. So make sure you read the scripture right. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. With what you have, look at me. Are you content with what you have? Are you happy with the way you look when you look in the mirror in the morning? Are you content with what you have? See, because God didn't make a mistake when he made you. Do you know that? I don't care what you look like. God did not make a mistake when he made you. He knew exactly what he was doing, and he wants to use you exactly like you are. Because God said this, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6 says this, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the, pro- for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. Do you get that? Are you a Christian? For the Lord your God, he is the one that goes with you. He is with you, Emmanuel. He will not leave you nor forsake you, regardless of the problems that you have today. Back up for a second. This idea of fear. It says, Be strong and be of good courage and do not fear. Do you know why we do not fear? You know why the Bible tells us that? Do not fear. Because in Timothy, it tells us that we are not given a spirit of fear. What spirit are you given when you become a Christian? The Holy Spirit of God. And God is a person. the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have know, the Holy Spirit of God. The same God, the same spirit. When you read the book of Genesis, it says the Spirit of God hovered over the water at the beginning. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave dwells in us when we're Christians. There's nothing you can't do. See, you've been given a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. And a sound mind would reason you back to the fact that when you have problems, you have to remember who's in your presence, who's in your midst, who's sitting on the side of the hill with you as you look down at this thing that is absolutely overwhelming you like the disciples did. you picking up what I'm laying down He's with you. You do not need to fear. You need to have a sound mind of power and love and turn to God when you do these things. Regardless of the problems that you may have today, they are little when you place them next to the Lord. That's what the disciples found out in the stories when we maneuver our way through this. The problem of the 15,000 or so people that were in front of them was nothing compared to the son of God that was with them. But they were so focused on the problem, they missed the problem solver. Jesus created the universe out of nothing, spoke it into existence. John chapter 1 says that. Surely, he can meet you with your needs or where you're at and help you with whatever you're dealing with today. And then look at me, when he helps you with what you're dealing with right now, that's when you remember what he's done for me in the past. And then the next time I bump into something, I know the pattern of what I do when I have a problem, and I remember who's in my presence. You guys all heard the story of fiery furnace, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They would not bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's large gold statue, right? That's like being in a high school, and you're supposed to bow down to a teacher in an assembly, and everybody in the room bows down to that teacher except for you, and you and you, three of you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I see this sea of people in Babylon, and you see this 90-foot statue, a golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar, one of the meanest people that's ever lived. And he said, if you don't bow down to that statue you will be thrown into the fiery furnace. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't do it. And they would. everybody knows the story, right? They got tossed into the fire, didn't they? Yes, they got tossed into the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar says, he was so mad at these guys because they wouldn't bow down. Heated up seven times harder than what it normally is, he said. Threw them in the fire. I love this story for this reason. Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fire and he goes, didn't we throw three people in there? And all the little suck-ups to the king. Yes, king. Oh, yes. We threw three people in there, right? Nebuchadnezzar says, well, there's four in there. The fourth one looks like a son of, the go- son of the gods. It was Jesus. Now, think about this, you guys. Next time you're in a problem, quit trying to wiggle your way out of it as fast as you can and realize who is in the fire with you. And get this. You ready? I love this. Nebuchadnezzar actually had to call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to come out of the fire. It says the fire burned their, their, the things that had them bound, the ropes that had them bound, it burned them loose and they were walking around loose in the fire. Now you think to yourself, normally if I'm in a fire and I can get out, I'm going to walk out, ain't I? Nebuchadnezzar had to look in there and go, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out. Why didn't they want to come out? Because they were with Jesus. You guys got to get this principle. He's with you. When you're in the problem of your life, Jesus is with you. And he doesn't care how big or small the problem is because it's real. You need to go to him and say, Lord, I'm man, this is overwhelming for me, but I know in the midst of things, this is not overwhelming for you. And I need your help. In the book of James chapter one, I want you guys to go read the book of James chapter one. And you read like one through 15, I think. That is the perfect spot Count it all joy, my brothers, when you go through trials of many kind. And it says, do not work your way out of it in a hurry, because this will develop perseverance for your faith. But I want you guys to get this part. You work down in that scripture, and it says, if you lack wisdom. So think about this. Find it all joy when I'm in a trial. I'm having a tough time. I got some problems going on. Find it joy because I know who's in it with me. That's why I find the joy. And then when I go through this, I don't try to get out of it as fast as I, as I normally do, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to produce perseverance in my faith. And then what happens is God says this, if you lack wisdom, ask. And he will give it abundantly without being critical with you. Now think about this. If I don't know what to do and I've got a problem and I don't know what to do, what should I do? Ask for wisdom. Pray. Quiet your heart. Lord, I'm in a mess and I don't know what to do. But I know you do. And he'll speak to your heart and he'll give you peace Number one, he'll give you the peace that surpasses all understanding because you'll know who's with you in that storm, in that problem that you're going through. And he may speak to you clearly, and it may just be, trust me, I got this. It builds your faith. It produces perseverance. And that's what we need to do. That's when you look at Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel got tossed into the lion's den to be killed, to be et by lions. But all through the night, all through the night, God had an angel Close the mouth of the lions. So Daniel's in a lion's den, and I would imagine it had to be kind of dark, and he gets dropped into this pit, and he's going to be killed by the lions as a plan. And the king comes in the morning and says, Daniel, Daniel, did your God save you? He said, yes, he did, O king. He sent an angel to close the mouths of the lions. In the morning, look at me. Everybody look at me. I want you to hear me with both ears at all your heart. Have you ever noticed how bad it gets at night when the lights go off? your problems? It gets tough, doesn't it? In the light of day, when school's going on, you got issues. Yeah, they're there, but the weight of the world will lay on you in the middle of the night, doesn't it? I want you to remember Daniel being in the lion's den because morning's coming. And when the sun comes up, the problems won't be near as overwhelming. If you know someone who's in the midst of looking at suicide or cutting, teach them these principles, please, because they need to hear it. It's like we talked about last week. Our job is to point people to Jesus and that's what we need to do because he will help you. And we need to go to the Lord and ask him. Matthew 6.33 tells us this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. I promise you, look, 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 I promise. I've been a Christian for 20 years and I have been up and down in problems like everyone in this room. And I've done it both ways. I've tried to fix it myself and I finally hit my knees and asked God for wisdom on what to do and every single time he's there to help me. And even if he's not, God never, ever, ever promises in Scripture he's going to fix everything for us. But for me, I like the promise of him being with me in it better than fixing everything for me. Does that make sense to you guys? Got to remember his presence is real. And the third point is this, <clears throat> the Lord's provisions. In the feeding of the 5,000, the provisions were the loaves and the fish. The people, and <laughs> I love this, How, Want to be a disciple for a second? You ready? Little boy, five fish or five loaves, two fish. Here you go, Jesus. Jesus took it, broke it, it says in the other gospels, and blessed it and handed it to the disciples to be distributed. We'll just say 10,000 people tonight. How'd you like to be the disciples? You'd be a little tired, wouldn't you? It's the end of the day. It's a long day. You're like, really, Lord? And when they give all the bread to this table, the bread and the fish, they're out. Where do they go? When they're out, when they're out and they don't know what to do, where do they go? Back to the Lord. And they get more bread and they get more fish and they go back out. And when they, would, they do another table and they're out, because see, Jesus also had them say, have people sit down in groups of 50 and 100. I don't know why we have that in the scriptures, but that's what they told them to do. And I love where it says, and there was a lot of grass around that area. So they weren't sitting on rocks. I love the Bible. It's like, why did they put that in there? I don't know, but God told John to write it in there. So John did. So grassy area, groups of 50 to people, 50 to 100 people in each group, and the disciples going back to Jesus, out to the people. Back to Jesus, out to the people. You're picking up the rhythm? Back to Jesus, out to the people. But his provision, and I love what it says, and they all ate as much as they wanted. The Lord's pretty amazing, and his provisions are always enough. In Philippians 4.19, it says this. And this, this is Paul writing, and this same God that takes care of me will supply you with, with all your needs from his glorious riches, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus. I want this, I want to make this point, and then I'll wrap it up here in just a second. I want to make this point of contentment. Everybody knows the scripture, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, Right? We all know that. That's coffee cup theology, right? It's on a coffee cup. I can do all things through through him who gives me strength, right? But go back up a couple verses and listen to this because we need to find contentment in this. I am not saying this because I am in need. This is Paul writing again. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. Are you Are you content no matter what the circumstance you're going through? Are you content, look at me, not in what you're going through, but in the relationship that you have of who's with you in it? You understand? Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. It's not the situations that Paul is looking at, it's who's with him in it, and that's why he's content where he's at. You guys understand that? That's a big deal. When you, come to, when you look at God's provisions, he gives us what we need so we can be content. In our lives, God will give us provisions in different ways. Gifts, talents, providing you a platform to, for his glory. He gives you daily bread. He is the bread of life. But sometimes he chooses to do this, and I want to tell you guys a quick story. Sometimes he chooses to use us to fulfill. We are his provision to help others with their needs. And I got proof text tonight because the little boy, right, had the four, five loaves and two fish. He was in the crowd. He was following Jesus. And he had his five, five loaves and two fish. And he, Andrew came along and said, here's a little lad. The little lad gave it to him. And I want to tell you guys a story about when I was in Cuba. We went down to Cuba. Casey Ehrman and I, the guy who plays the drums on Sunday, we flew down to Cuba about two years ago and smuggled Bibles into Cuba and in a bunch of clothes and a bunch of other stuff. And when we got into Cuba, we spent a day just kind of looking around Havana. And I will never forget this. It probably won't even mean anything to you guys, but I will never forget this. And I remembered this tonight when I, when I, today when I was reading this. We're walking down the street in Cuba, and the streets are really narrow in Cuba, and the t- buildings are tall and they're old. I mean, they're just old. And we walked by, <clears throat> as we were walking into town, we walked by this one, and it had like a wire, like, almost like a jail cell on it for a door. And I kind of looked back in there, and there was a family back in there, a bunch of little kids running around. And There was a family back in there just hanging out, and doing whatever they did during the day, right? And all of a sudden, we were walking along, and we went down to the end of the street, turned around, we were working our way back out, and I saw this guy standing on the edge of the on the edge of, just on the edge of a building in this little narrow street with a box of little look like little biscuits. And see, these barley loaves that are mentioned in the scripture tonight, by the way, are very very small loaves of bread. This little boy would have been poor in the scripture. But in this story, when I, was walking in, when I was walking down that street in Cuba, I watched this little boy, probably about eight, maybe nine, come running up to this guy with this, this box of little biscuits. He grabbed a couple of these biscuits, and I will never forget this as long as I live. It was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen, I think. He grabs these biscuits, this little boy who was about eight or nine years old, turns around and runs down the street back to that, that building that had like the jail cell door in it. It wasn't a jail cell, but that's what it looked like. And all I could see sticking out of that jail cell doors were the little little hands of little bitty four and five-year-old kids. Stuck their hands through that little wire fence and grabbed those biscuits and pulled them back in and were gone. And I thought about this story. I thought, that little boy, see, God used that little eight or nine-year-old boy to feed that, those little kids in that family. God wants to use you. He wants you to be his provision most of the time. But here's a question I've got for you tonight. Are you usable? Is your relationship with the Lord such that he can use you? Are you living a life as a Christian where you're usable? Don't push away the opportunities that God gives you to serve. Ever. Ever. And the last thing I want you guys to get and I'll break into your small groups is, do you notice at the end of that where it says there was 12 baskets of leftovers, right? I'd never noticed this till I was doing this this time. How many disciples were there? 12. And they'd been working at providing food that Jesus gave to them and they distributed to the people for, had to be hours, you guys. And the disciples probably weren't eating some on the way because they didn't know how much there was gonna be, right? Here's the principle in this. I think the 12 baskets that were left over were for the disciples. Always remember that if you're willing to serve the Lord, He will make sure you're taken care of. You understand? That's why I like that 12 baskets that are left over because there were 12 disciples and they had to be working their hind end off for the Lord that day, making sure the people were fed. Are you working for God in such a manner that He can use you so that you can feed other people gospel of Jesus Christ, because there's a starving world out there that needs good news. Problems are going to come. He says, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you, and his provisions will always be enough. Turn to your small groups, answer some questions, and we'll get back in a second. I love country music. I can't listen to most of it anymore, but I love country music, so I want you guys to do me a favor, and and if you don't like country, please endure this next song, because I want you to watch the video while the song's playing, and some of you have probably heard this video, it's by Zach Williams, and it's called There Was Jesus, and the reason why I want you guys to listen to this song tonight is because I really want this branded in your heads and your hearts, that he is never going to leave you, he will never forsake you, we'll get into that part of the relationship later on, argue about that down the road, but he is there, and he is present and his provisions are always enough. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what the problem is, no matter what's going on in your lives at home or at school and friends, relationships, whatever that is, remember, Jesus is always in the midst of what's going on. Isaiah 41.10 says this, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, because I am your God. I will hold you with my mighty, righteous right hand. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I don't know what you guys have got going in your lives. I know all of you, but the deep, dark problems that you deal with and the issues that you have personally in your own life, I want you guys to have an opportunity to quiet your own hearts for just a second. And tonight with your problems, I want you to realize that Jesus is present with you. And no matter what you've got going on, his provision will always be enough because he loves you. So do you believe? Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed and discouraged, for I am your God. And I want you to feel him holding your right hand right now, telling you that he loves you, telling you that he's with you, and it's going to be okay that this too shall pass. So for a moment, I'm going to be quiet and let you talk to God. And I want you to be like that little boy tonight and give what you've got, to the Lord, so he can bless you. Father in heaven, I know your grace is sufficient to meet each person in here where they need met and to help them where they need help. Now, by faith, help us to trust that you're in this with us and that I know you'll take care of us, and it'll be okay. Guard our relationships with you. Guard our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus, and be with us as we go from this place tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.